summer sun's calling my name. I hear you now, I just can't stay inside all day. I gotta get out, give me some of those rays. Everybody's smiling. Hello, and welcome to Staff Picks, the podcast for movie nerds by movie nerds, where I find movies that are uh, perhaps a little underloved or underappreciated out there, and I find somebody interesting who wants to come on the air and talk about them. And today we have a treat for you. We have a, one of my all-time favorite guilty pleasure movies, although I'll be talking about that phrase in a second, guilty pleasure. But uh, we are going to be talking about the 1995 comedy, The Brady Bunch Movie, which has long been one of my favorite comedies of the 90s, and it's one of those movies... I have not found many people over the years that are willing to talk about it or willing to admit that they loved it as much as I do. And we have a treat today because I have a friend online who loves this movie as much as I do, and I'm so excited to have her on the show. Let's see, my guest today is a uh, in, former improv comedian. She works in uh, retirement law, I believe, in Providence. Uh, please welcome to the show. Very excited to welcome on Miss Taylor Cotter. Hi, guys. How, how are you doing, Mariam? Oh, I'm doing great. It's so exciting to meet a fellow Brady Bunch fan. Yes, I'm, uh, he, uh, I was always a Brady Bunch TV fan uh, before I was exposed to this movie. So I, I'm a completist, as far as I know. <laughs> yeah, I'm very excited about this because you guys don't realize I am always throwing out random movie quotes and just movie references. And Taylor's the only person I've ever known who catches my Brady Bunch quotes and will throw a Brady Bunch movie quote right back at me. And I'm so excited. I've never actually spoken to her before. We just have a several years long relationship of, of <laughs> Brady Bunch movie quotes with each other. So this is a, a rare treat for me to finally get to talk to her. Yeah, I think I was uh, one of the biggest fans of your blog project that inspired the uh the podcast of the the movies that deserve more love, mm-hmm. which I use as a guide. To, I used for quite some time as a guide to uh, what movie should I watch tonight. So uh, I I loved that, and I'm glad that it's taken on a new life. <laughs> yeah, for those who don't know my history, I, I wrote a web website a while back called 200 Movies That Deserve More Love, and I uh, got lazy at a certain point. I think I stopped at about 76. So I'm very nice and very excited to hear that people actually read it. And uh, so, Taylor, um, you also have a movie podcast, I believe. I just want to bring this up before we get into that. You, you, yeah. uh, Reese, Reese Witherspoon? Uh, yeah, uh, my fiance and I uh, started last year a movie podcast where we recap the films of Reese Witherspoon. Um, I've gotten into this podcast game before, Mario, and uh, I've seen friends of mine like you uh, get really deep into projects that (laughs) so my whole goal with Reese's Pieces uh was uh no commitment I'm gonna do it when I feel like doing it and uh quit when I feel like quitting so we've put out only a couple and we'll come back to it but uh Reese Witherspoon I think is you know one of the greatest she's only getting better and uh I want to be a true Reese Witherspoon completist as well all right, since you mentioned it, are there, as the as the affirmed Reese Witherspoon expert out there, are there any Reese Witherspoon movies you feel I should be talking about on Staff Picks? I would check out Freeway. Have you seen that movie? I have not. Yeah, it's one of the ones that we've covered, and uh, it's, it's, uh, it's like a Little Red Riding Hood sexy allegory type story. It uh, stars Kiefer Sutherland and has a couple other uh, interesting actors in it, but... 
it falls right into this mid 90s sort of vibe that uh, I think it was a great movie, actually. Okay, there we go. Add that to the list of the 200 or 300 movies I plan to do on this podcast, or and we'll probably get to 87 before I quit. That's that's <laughs> a lot more than we got to before I uh, quit or took a break from Reese's Pieces. So. Okay, let's not delay too long. I know people are here for their Brady hit. Let's uh, talk about your history with the Brady Bunch. Are you, again, one of those people who grew up watching the show and you know like every episode and every quote? Are you one of those people? Yes. Um, I haven't seen it in a really long time, and I watched it when I was really young. So I watched it in the mid to late 90s, I guess, maybe up until like 2000, 2001. And I was born in 89. So I was a kid. It had been my mom watched it, I think, when it was really on. So we watch on Nick at Night and TV Land and stuff. Uh, so I believe I've seen every episode, but I haven't seen a episode in probably... 15 or 20 years. Uh, but watching this movie even now, I'm like, oh, that's from an episode, that's from an episode, that's from an episode. Yeah. it's. Um, I was born in 1974, so I'm a good 15 years older than you. And it's funny because growing up, The Brady Bunch was an old show for me. Like, it's funny that yeah. you grew up watching it, too. Even when I grew up in the 80s, it was an old show. It was like just the thing that was on on TV when you came home from school. And mm-hmm. it's one of these things like, like the younger generation will be tough to really kind of explain how few – TV options there were kind of when we were growing up that if there was a show that was syndicated on reruns every day, it was just on when you came home from school, it was on you. It was just going to be on in the background, whether you liked it or not. You just would Mm -hmm. absorb the Brady Bunch growing up, whether you liked it or not. Yeah, I watched a lot of Nick at Night, which was the same but different. And I remember when the Brady Bunch wasn't always on Nick at Night, like it was all it started are all black and white shows i'm pretty sure it was a lot more like i love lucy and i dream of genie and those kind of shows and the brady bunch might have been like the first or one of i mean happy days was in full color but there were not that many full color shows on nick at night and i remember when nick at night got the brady bunch it was like finally something new (laughs) this is a new show to us that came out 30 years ago Now, I didn't know every single episode. It's one of those things I just picked up osmosis, just kind of I knew quotes, I knew storylines. My wife is much more of a Brady expert than I am. She knows every single detail, every single little plot point. And so we're going to get into this in a second where this movie, this very well-researched movie I'm at, there's there's so many little references to different obscure things that happened in Brady Bunch episodes. It's astounding. It's, is that the one thing that jumped out at you when you saw this movie for the first time? Totally. I saw this movie for the first time when I was pretty young, and I actually remember really uh, how I came across this movie, which um, it was actually the sequel. So I'm pretty sure I saw the sequel first, which only came out a year later. Um, And I remember my brother and I being, so it must have been 96, 97, my brother and I being like very excited. We're like, amazing, a Brady Bunch movie. This show that we watch is now a movie. Like, how cool. And we went to a video store to uh, get it and with my mom. And, like, the girl that worked at the video store was like, you can't show your children this movie. (laughs) And, like, we were so excited. Like, I think my mom was like, all right, whatever. A long history of me watching uh, movies above the suggested rating for children. And, uh, And we were just, like, in love with it. Especially, so I have a lot of thoughts on the sequel too but i haven't seen that in quite some time uh so i saw the sequel and then pretty quickly after that saw this and uh to me that's just what it was like it was i was it was all one brady bunch language 
that until I watched it last week with my fiance, who is not really familiar with the source material, he he just thought these were original plot lines. And I'm like, oh, no, no, no. <laughs> Uh, these are these are directly pulled from the television show. <laughs> yeah, for me it's a little different, and I'm I'm going to kind of set the stage for people that yeah, of course. that coming. You know, I see this thing. It comes out in 1995. I'm 21. I'm in college already, and I'm I have a pretty hardened sense of what I think is funny and what comedy is. And I see this commercial for the Brady Bunch movie, and I'm like, why the hell are they making a movie out of this old TV show that nobody really cares about anymore? And it's got like Shelley Long in it, and it's funny because there's this running joke in comedy that Shelley Long movies are always terrible, to the point that SNL had done a sketch about that in the 90s about Shelley Long movies. Why are there so many Shelley Long movies? I'm in hell. Like it's like it's kind of a, a trope that Shelley Long movies are terrible. It's got this Brady Bunch movie, and again, the only kind of Brady thing that had been around the news at that time in the mid 90s was Barry Williams had written a kind of a tell-all book called Growing Up Brady, which he was going around doing uh, book signings about, and then. Melanie Hutzel on Saturday Night Live was playing a character, Jan Brady. That was her big signature character. And we will see, we'll, we'll get some of her character in this movie. But that was really all that was going on with the Bradys at the time. And I had such low expectations for this movie. I'm like, I don't think I want to see it. I'm on the Brady Bunch movie. Come on. Like, I've, it's going to be so corny. And I remember, like, I had to be dragged into going to see it because I just was not expecting anything from it. And over the years, that's been one of the things. Those are the movies that I cherish the most where you have no expectations whatsoever. And it really is funny. Mm -hmm. So that's why I just, I, I have so much love for this movie over the years. And every time I watch it, there's more, I pick up about it. And there's a phrase I used earlier in the pot or when in my introduction, when I said it's a guilty pleasure, that's a, that's a phrase that gets used a lot. I will not be using it a lot on staff picks because guilty pleasure implies that you feel guilty about something. I don't feel guilty whatsoever. I love this movie, and I will be singing its praises any chance I get. Yeah, I agree with that. Uh, it's hard because you feel guilty about these, or I would feel guilty about these things, until you meet someone else that really cares about it. And I had, like, one other person in my life that really loved this movie, and I was like, that's an I was like, if you know how great this is, then, like, then I feel better about myself for knowing how great this is. <laughs> you you kinda, it's, it's, the validation is huge. <laughs> Welcome to the Brady Bunch self-esteem hour where Taylor and I feel better <laughs> about ourselves because we have met yep. each other. Someone else that could admit that they are Brady Bunch movie fans. And anyone that's listening to this podcast is more, you know, probably a fan. Yep. I hope if you're a Brady Bunch hater, then get out. <laughs> Okay, the first thing I want to mention about this movie, well, two things, are actually. The first is that it's rated PG-13, which is hilarious in retrospect that a Brady Bunch movie was allowed to come out with a PG-13 rating. Yeah, I was the target demo, and I wasn't allowed to see it. We had to surpass that Hollywood video employee. Yeah, it's a very racy movie when you kind of catch some of the subtle jokes and the background jokes. There's a lot going on in this movie, and it's really amazing that it was allowed to come out because... The producer, for people who don't know, the producer of the Brady Bunch, Sherwood Schwartz, also did you know, Gilligan's Island, and he was known for a certain type of show, very innocent, very family-oriented, just light, clean, happy, wholesome entertainment for families. And, you know, I've read interviews with him where he's proud over the years of how well these shows took off, and especially the Brady Bunch. I know at one point in the 90s, he had mentioned that there's not a minute in the day that goes by that an episode of the Brady Bunch isn't airing somewhere in the world. It's mm -hmm. a rerun. It's amazing. And so I'm amazed that they got some of the jokes in this movie past him. He's the gatekeeper. And I know 
he had censored many jokes. There's stories of things he stepped in and wouldn't allow them to do in the movie. But there's a lot that he did allow, and I'm shocked. Yeah, it's it's great that he was there and involved in this movie, and I think that's what makes makes this such a strong parody movie. Every um, horrible parody movie there by those two guys who I can't remember their names right now, but that make like um, not the scary movies, but like date movie and all those like mm -hmm. very um, cursory uh, spoof movies. It's like that they don't they can't dig deep into anything. And because they ha eventually did have the blessing here of Sherwood's Ports, it was like, okay, they can actually make fun, interesting jokes. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, we take the Brady tropes and you can make them fun and interesting and a little twisted in a way. There's some really twisted stuff in this and we'll get to it in a second. But yeah, it's one of those things. I just remember watching this movie and like my jaw was open in how much different it was compared to what I thought it was going to be going in. Mm -hmm. Yeah, I don't know if I could call out another movie like this. Mm -hmm. Yeah, that that not even the source material like TV to movie or whatever, but something that is really takes uh, a takes a topic and both like skewers it and celebrates it really fully. Yeah, absolutely, and that's the thing. There's some love. There's love behind this movie. Oh yeah. Yeah, whoever wrote it knows every little bit of Brady trivia there is, and there's so much love, and it's just it's just awesome, and and. You mentioned something there. I was thinking, was this the first instance of a TV show being made into a movie like this? I know they did many later with, like, Bewitched and Chips and Baywatch and stuff. No, it's a very, like, those are all movies from the last, like, ten years, too. Um, I, they're probably, they're very well could have been, but I don't have a great idea of it. Yeah. And those, like, I don't know. I find those movies, like, to be such a bummer. Like, <laughs> this one isn't. So... I don't know what the, why uh, people aren't so interested in those anymore, but Brady Bunch was particular. Like, it was very special, very popular. Mm -hmm. Not popular with like, critics, though. I was reading some reviews today, and, like, it's hard to find a critic who enjoyed it. The movie or the show? Oh, the, the movie. The movie. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. That's fair. Because it, it's unique. I, just, I don't know. And this is a pre... I mean, I don't know. You can tell me if I'm wrong, but it's definitely not... Uh, the nostalgia economy that we live in today that any old show they would choose to make into a uh, movie. But I'm, I'm happy that they did with this one. And I don't know what was sparked it except a true love of the Brady Bunch, which is what makes me excited. Yeah. It's funny. You asked if there was good critical reception to the TV show. I don't think there was on that either. <laughs> I, don't, <laughs> I don't think the critics have ever enjoyed the Brady Bunch. That's fair, I guess. It's like kids' show, yeah. really. Like it's very family, which is why, like you said, the fact that this ended up being a PG-13 movie. It's like <laughs> I don't know who who decided to greenlight this and who said like that'll work, but they must have been uh, really into it. The person who wrote this movie, I did a little research into her, I think, because she had written some other interesting stuff too. The writers, the Turners. I think it's a husband and wife team. There was four writers. And the Turners were Saturday Night Live writers, and I don't know the other two writers. Yeah, and they wrote, yeah, they wrote Coneheads, Tommy Boy, a bunch of, like, really solid uh, 90s comedy movies. And then the director, Betty Thomas, I know her from, uh, she played a great role in the movie Troop Beverly Hills. I'm not sure if that's on your list, but I would uh, get that on there immediately. It's one of my favorite movies. Um, another Shelley Long Diesel. <laughs> and... Uh, 
she uh she also directed like a couple other weird like little 90s things here and there like um uh dr doolittle and uh john tucker must die which was a movie i liked in high school uh so there's uh like she these people have a comedy background for sure but they're you know it's not anyone that would come in like to make a comedy movie today that has 40 movies already in their resume all right, let's get into the part that the people are interested in here. Let's get into the plot. We'll do a quick little run-through of the Brady Bunch movie, and then we've kind of made lists of uh, specific things that we wanted to point out that a would get someone to appreciate the genius of this movie. Are you ready for that? I'm ready. Okay. So, and here's the genius of the movie right off the bat, is that we're just going to take the Brady Bunch. It's exactly the Brady Bunch universe you've seen on TV a billion times. You know all the episodes. You know all the little quirks about the Brady universe, how wholesome and squeaky clean they are. And we're just going to take that exact universe they live in and we're going to transport it into the middle of the 90s. And the Bradys will not change one iota and yet they're going to have to interact with all these 90s modern people. And it's it's one of those those, those little things in comedy that I, I don't think is done enough in comedy where you do these fish out of water things like that. But with the Bradys it was, it was a very bold choice because it makes them look like idiots. And like, I, again, I, it's hard to believe Sherwood Schwartz let them get away with that. But yeah, the Brady Bunch, they're just these old retro freaks that still walk and dress like it's late 60s. And we're in the middle of 1990, like or 1994, I believe is the year when it was filmed. And it's just other people reacting to them and being driven insane because the Bradys are so crazy. It's awesome. It's awesome that they make no apology or explanation for this at all, which I think is very rare to see. It's something that they're like, the Brady Bunch are in the 90s now, end of sentence. <laughs> and there's no, like, why is it like this? How how come no one points it out to them? Are they delusional? What's going on? It's just truly there, and you accept it as reality very quickly. The opening shot is so amazing, and, like, what I think of, just 90s California as someone you were there I believe mm-hmm. I wasn't <laughs> so I'm like uh, this in my mind is what it was like yeah it's funny if you watch the movie Falling Down with Michael Douglas the opening scene is traffic and crime and heat and it's just oppressive and horrible and that's really the exact opening that this one goes to is that Mr. Dittmeyer stuck in traffic you see these signs on the freeway you see gangland warfare stuff like that it's just this hardcore rap music playing just it's just kind of oppressive and just not fun to look at and then we segue right into the Brady's. Mr. Dittmeyer's on the phone. And again, this is a kind of a little inside joke that non-Brady people would uh, not get. But Mr. Dittmeyer, this is Michael McKean in the movie. He is in the Brady Bunch series. They mention for years for I think it was on for five years. They're always talking about their neighbors, the Dittmeyer's. But you never see them, correct? I don't think they ever show up in a Brady Bunch episode. It doesn't. I don't remember it. Um yeah, I, that sounds right to me. Yeah, so so Michael McKeon plays Mr. Dittmeyer, and of course, he's this huge asshole, which is wonderful. <laughs> and in the TV show, they never mention that they don't like the Dittmeyers, they just happen to be the neighbors. Yeah. So it's one of these things like, Dittmeyer hates them, he's a jerk, he's trying to screw them at every opportunity, and the Bradys don't even notice, which is so perfect for the Bradys, because it fits in with the TV show. They like the Dittmeyers. Yeah, it's like, uh, they to the Bradys, the Dittmeyers are just their normal neighbors, and uh, like I said, like they don't explain any of the mythology of this at all. It's like, is this the, are these the same Dittmeyers? Are these the children of the Dittmeyers? Like, there's no way of knowing, but it's like, uh, 
Yeah, I lo- that's a it comes in really quick with a deep cut uh, reference. And they don't, as far as I know, I don't think they mess up any references like that through the whole movie. Like everything that seems like it's a an allusion to something is that allusion. Yeah, and there's one that blows my mind later, and we'll get to that. This is the with Greg Brady's song he's singing. Mm-hmm. This is one that yeah. absolutely blew my mind when I realized how accurate this reference was. Mm-hmm. Okay, so, yeah, Mr. Dittmeyers, he's a real estate agent. He's working on some big uh, real estate scheme where he's trying to buy all the houses in the neighborhood. He's going to sell them, and they're going to build a residential mini mall or something. I forget what the deal is, but basically he's this huge asshole trying to get up, buy all the property, and everybody in the neighborhood has bought into his plan and has sold their houses, except for one the who will be the antagonists of the movie, if you will, the bad guys, the Bradys. Yeah, I like them. They, especially the son, I think is very um, like the, a trope that doesn't exist anymore, like a slacker. And I, I big fan. I wish we saw more of the daughter too, because she was so mean. Yeah, they're just horrible people. Michael McKean, and then is it Gene Smart? I believe plays his alcoholic wife, who mm-hmm. is always forever trying to bang the Brady children. <laughs> you, got, you got the the son Eric Dittmeyer, who wants to beat up Peter. You got the daughter who's just foul mouthed. It's just. Wonderful addition to the Brady universe. Okay, so we go into the movie, and the very first thing is, what's these people? What are the Bradys? What's their story? And then you get the music, dun-dun-dun-dun-dun-dun. And, like, I was in the theater for that, and it was hilarious just to see the freaking Brady Bunch opening with the movie, with the music on the big screen, and people, like, singing along. And <laughs> the audience, like, what the hell? What does my life turn into that I'm watching this in the theater right now? Yeah, there's no, uh, they're not trying to be cute or anything in that original intro. I guess you could say they're trying to be cute, but they aren't, uh, they aren't being meta. They're like, we are here to tell the Brady Bunch story. (laughs) Yeah. And then we get into the start of the movie and really the first five, 10 minutes of the movie is just like a Brady Bunch episode. They're just walking Mm -hmm. around telling dumb jokes, laughing at each other's dumb jokes. Um, they're just, yeah, it's just, it's just, you've seen it on the Brady Bunch before. It's just their, their inane day-to-day dialogue that there's, is not relevant to anything. It's, there's nothing significant going on. It's just, oh, I can't, I lost my doll. Oh, uh, I'm the safety monitor at school. Like, there's, it's really not interesting. It's just exactly, if these, and again, these are all Brady Bunch episodes they're referencing, right? Yeah, as far as I know, I think the only storyline that doesn't necessarily correlate exactly is Jan. <laughs> but uh, everyone else, I think, is... They basically took their most popular storyline or something that was easy to replicate and set it up right in this first part of the uh, movie. So it is it's funny in a way that they do structure this like an episode of television. Uh, I don't think you would ever follow six different storylines in one episode of The Brady Bunch, but that's kind of what they're doing here. It's like everyone has their own storyline. Then we have this big overarching thing with selling the house. Yeah, the six uh, different episodes in one story, or six different storylines in one episode is sort of fitting in this case because Jan has six distinct personalities. <laughs> <laughs> so, yeah, so so again, and I'll be I'll be the first one to admit, not all the Brady storylines are really that interesting. Bobby's safety no. patrol, you could take or leave that. I don't really, I don't really enjoy Cindy too much in the movie. She's got some no. nice scenes with Mr. Dittmeyer, but it's the... <laughs> The three oldest ones, Peter, I could take or leave. He's got some nice moments maybe with his voice changing. But Jan, Greg, and Marsha, they are going to make this movie and then throw in Mr. Brady forever giving lessons on things. And and Mrs. Brady, again, Shelly, the uh, long uh, maligned Shelly Long here. Mm. The more I watch this movie, the more I watch it for her, her reactions to stuff. She is hilarious. 
She's good. I feel like uh, I wish they had given her more to do, which I almost felt was a commentary. Like there was a she was a lot of reactions. She was a lot of nodding along, uh, especially with uh, Mike Brady's uh, inane little advice uh, advice lips. But um, I think that uh, she, she has a lot more to do in the sequel, which I think is pretty fun. Yeah. And it's funny because that's my wife's pet peeve on the show. Again, she's the big Brady expert. And this has been her thing yeah. for years. What the hell does Carol Brady do? Like right. She has no job. She's got a housekeeper. What the hell does she do all day? And they, they even reference that in the movie, one of my favorite lines where it comes later in the movie where Carol's like, uh, if we lose Alice, who's going to make the lunches that I pass out? <laughs> mm-hmm. just a little stuff like that. So, yeah, it, it might be a little meta commentary that Carol really never does anything in the episodes. But the one thing, like, okay, we're going to go over kind of the stereotypes of each character here, but Carol mm-hmm. Shelley Long, this is for the viewers who really haven't seen this movie a lot. Watch her eyes. She's always reacting to stuff. She's trying to, to uh, make a point when Mike is doing a lecture. She can't get a, a word in. She can't butt in because he never stops. And she's so horny. That's the other thing, too, with Carol. Yeah. It's hilarious. She's, she just wants to get laid the entire movie. That's the point of Carol in this movie. Yeah. That was one of the things my fiance asked me about, too. When he was like, were they really horny on the show? <laughs> I was like, no, I think, I think they had that in for the movie. But I couldn't tell you for sure unless I did a rewatch of the show. <laughs> Okay, so we'll go through our little stereotypes of each of the characters. And again, the first 10 minutes of the movie is nothing special. It starts kind of lame. And again, the Brady Bunch is lame. We'll admit that. So the movie starts slow, but man, does it get going once they get to school. Okay, so the stereotypes. So Greg in this movie is a singer, songwriter, Johnny Bravo. Right. Forever chasing the girls of, uh, what's the high school? I forgot to write it down. Damn it. Uh, I'm not sure. Westdale. Uh, Is it Westdale? Westdale. Yeah. yeah. So he's forever chasing the girls of Westdale High around, trying to serenade them with love songs, and they're all terrified of him because he's he's just this weird, creepy stalker. Yeah. And uh, Greg is Johnny Bravo is from the show, and I think it, this is only one, maybe two episodes. But all right, I'm gonna talk out of my butt a little bit here, but I do think it, uh, this is part of like was Barry Williams. I'm I'm an adult. I don't want to be on a kids show anymore. I'm here to uh, get my career up and going. So I want to do more music. I want to be like a sexier character mm-hmm. on the show. Yeah, absolutely. That, In real life, that okay, was what okay. was happening. I was like, is that real? Yeah, Barry Williams very yeah. much thought he was above the Brady Munch by that point in his career, and they were trying to turn him into like a. Peter Frampton, Leaf Garrett type singer songwriter heartthrob. That was kind of where they were going with his career. So the Brady Bunch was a springboard for that to launch what indeed he ended up doing. He's worked as a singer in musical theater for many years. So that really was yeah. what Barry Williams did. Yeah, I saw him in a production of The Sound of Music once. Yep. A touring a touring show. So he he's working. He's definitely not a career to sneeze at. Yeah, exactly. And in the movie, he's a huge stalker. Yep. <laughs> okay, so that's Greg wandering around, hitting on girls, and then being terrified of him. Then you have Marsha, who is the masterpiece of the movie, in my opinion. Marsha, yeah, forever walking around, blithely unaware that there are other people around her, that she she is the most beautiful girl, she's amazing, everything she does turns to gold, she's the golden child, and just has no concept that there are other people around her at any point in the movie, which is so wonderful, because in the TV show... It, it was like that. Marsha really was Miss Popular, but she wasn't like arrogant about it. She was just she was Miss Popular. She was the goody goody two shoes. And in the movie, they just turned that on the head where she's still like that. Just everybody hates her for it now. 
Right. Yeah, and played by an incomparable uh, Christine Taylor in this role, who is a dead ringer for Marie McCormick. They nailed it. And uh, everyone is pretty good, but she's the best. Um, So I've been... uh, I'm really impressed by her. She nails it uh, top to bottom. Yeah, if this wasn't her first movie, it was definitely one of them. It was one of those things she was mm-hmm. kind of an unknown actress at the time, and they just kind of pulled her out of nowhere. Yeah. And it was funny. I remember watching this movie. I was like, that freaking is Marsha Brady. She looks exactly like her. I don't know where mm-hmm. they found her. So it's one of those things. Yeah, and, and we I'm kind of overlooking uh, as Greg, a guy named Christopher Barnes. And I will point out, you may not know this, that he was on a TV show in the 90s, I think he was on he was on Starman, either the movie or the TV show. I think it was this TV show. And my wife has long loved him. She was like a big fan of his before the Brady Bunch movie. His name wow. is C.B. Barnes. So she's like, he's so good in that Brady Bunch movie. I always wonder why he didn't do more movies. So he, he is, I mean, not to the level of Christine Taylor, but he does a very fine job as Greg in this. Oh, totally. He's a real goofball. And he's definitely not as much of an exact impression of Greg Brady, but he... Uh, he really turns up the dial in the way that uh, they really wanted him to, I think. Okay, and now we get to Jan. Jan. My favorite. Jan, Jan. Yeah. Jan. Okay, so as you said, the storyline of her being psychotic is not really from a Brady Bunch <laughs> episode. It's really more from what they were doing on Saturday Night Live at the time when Melanie Hutzel was doing Jan Brady. That was her big character. And that was her thing. She was insane and jealous of Marsha and just just crazed, crazed eyes. So they really kind of went with that in the movie. And that's the thing that most people tend to remember about this movie is just Jan. It's the other kids just picking on Jan. And then whenever Jan points it out, they'll deny it. And then Jan forever being upstaged by Marsha. Nothing ever goes right for her. No one loves her. She's the forgotten child. And I wrote in my my quotes here that they basically gaslight Jan the entire movie, which is horrible. 100%. (laughs) They do. The the siblings abuse Jan and then they deny it. And it drives her slowly mad through the course of the movie. Yeah, it's easy to see where Jan, uh, how Jan could get to this psychotic break, uh, but she's definitely in an unstable position, uh, and, but I don't know, this is so funny to me. I think they, like, it's unlike any other comedic character, uh, I've ever seen, and they, I love it. I'm a huge Jan fan, and I think of, this movie, in the past couple of years, kind of had a resurgence in a meme, like, uh, where people would say, sure, Jan, Mm -hmm. which, uh, again, something I've uh, been into for a while, and uh, not to brag, but uh, that uh, perfect little, like, it just captures it so perfectly, how horribly they treated Jan throughout the movie. (laughs) They did in the TV show, too, to be honest. That's kind of the thing, but it's, like, not to the same extent. Like, some of it is based in the actual TV episodes. That's the genius of this. There's little moments in the shows where you see Jan just getting crapped on. Mm Mm-hmm. Okay, so we go to Peter. Peter's big thing is that his voice is changing, which is, I mean, that's from the TV show. That was a very prominent Brady Bunch episode. I don't know if it really affects this movie much. He's very awkward around girls. Um, Then we get down to Bobby, who's the safety monitor, Cindy, who has the lift. And she tells Mr. Dittmeyer his thuzel's thip in the juice or something like that. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Okay, and then the parents. Then we got, again, Mike, played by... And again, if you would say that uh, Jan and uh, Marsha are the two standouts in this movie, I'd argue that Gary Cole, as Mike Brady, was one of my favorites, at least when I first saw it, just as a standout. Because I didn't know this guy. He was kind of an unknown actor, just a character actor. And he made Mike so much more interesting than the Mike in the TV show. And I just totally. I love that about him, because they made him just irritating and just 
<laughs> just smug with his little lessons. And I love that because it's so perfect for this movie that Mike is just kind of a douchebag. Yeah, he really, uh, they double down on the fact it's like Mike Brady gives advice. So it's like, all right, we're going to have Mike give advice in the most uh, myopic <laughs> way that doesn't uh, – doesn't help anybody and uh it's really fun and to me like it because i have such a poor repertoire of like film knowledge i'm like gary cole like this is what he's from <laughs> like he's gone on to be like a very accomplished actor uh, and i'm like no that to me he is uh fake mike brady <laughs> it's hilarious because there's a movie out there called a simple plan where he plays the killer and he's like a stone cold villain killer and it's hilarious <laughs> to watch that back to back with the brady bunch movie like mike brady <laughs> you knock that off stop murdering people all right so anyway we we got through the start of the movie Oh, there's Alice in there, too. I don't have to explain Alice. Alice is the wisecracking maid, and it's at the start of the movie, she's just left one-liners left and right, because that's what Alice did. Alice was the comic relief on the show. Everybody else mostly played it straight. Right, and they, I think that these, she's a lot of innuendo from Alice, which I think is very similar to the show as well. Okay, so we got the introductions out of the way, and now this movie's going to take off where... You know, the Bradys go through their morning rituals, and they interact with the Dittmeyers, and Jan won't wear her glasses, and we've all seen seen all this stuff before. And now we get to school, and now it's the fun part, because now they have to interact with the world. Yeah, and everyone else is living in the 90s, and they're in the late 70s. <laughs> yeah. So, yeah, you have Greg and Marsha driving to school in the big old 70s family truckster, the brown one with the CB radio, the giant antenna. Mm -hmm. <laughs> and there's a scene with a carjacking, which I don't really think is anything special. But when they get to school... It's not, can I say that, it's not anything special, but I think about it maybe once a week. <laughs> like, it's just one of those things that really stuck with me in any time. You don't hear a carjacking all that often in 2018, mm -hmm. but whenever I do, uh, I'm like... Oh, yeah, my name's Greg. <laughs> so, but how often are you hearing about carjacking? Very rarely, but I still, I, that one, it really <laughs> stuck with me. Like, it's the one scene in my mind that I thought was, as a kid, thought was hilarious, and as an adult, also think it's hilarious. <laughs> okay. All right, so here we go. The Bradys are at school, and this is where we see Greg and Marsha walking around in their elements, just interacting with their peers. And, of course, they're wearing those hideous 70s clothes, and that's one of the, the best running jokes in this movie, that the Bradys are literally wearing their costumes from the 60s TV show. It's awesome. And nobody else is. Nobody says anything. They're just horrible. Mike, especially, has some horrible jackets and ties, and the mom. Anyway, so we uh, get to school, and there, this is where when I first saw this movie that I officially fell in love with the Brady Bunch movie. And this is where Marsha is walking down the halls at school and all the boys are staring at her and all the girls are staring at her. And it's just, again, right out of the TV show. She's Miss Popular. She's Miss Thing of Westdale High. Except in this, in this movie, all the girls see her walking by and they're like, bitch. And all the guys <laughs> are walking by. And one of them makes the comment that forever endeared me to this movie where he says, that's Marsha Brady. She's harder to get into than a Pearl Jam concert. It's perfect. <laughs> oh, my God, that line should not be in a Brady Bunch episode. <laughs> Just think about the years people have been watching this wholesome show and Marsha yep. and Paragon of Virtue and everything. And the first comment about her by anybody at school is that he wants to bang her, but he can't because she's tough to get into. Like, we're in a different world here at this point. Yeah, that's probably about when, like, you realize, all right, uh, kids can't watch this. <laughs> we got to turn this one off. <laughs> yeah. We see all the Brady kids at school, and let's see, we got Jan, she's going to the counselor, and I have to point out one little thing I love about Jan is this walk that the, the actress Jennifer Elise Cox has given to, to Jan, where she swings her hair as it's, she walks. 
Yeah, it, I don't think that it's, it's from nothing. Like, she made it up, I think, but it, and now it's what everyone associates with Jan. Yeah, I, I think she made it up, but I would not be surprised. I would not place money on this, but I bet if there's some point in some Brady Bunch episode where Jan mm-hmm. really walked like that and they took it from that episode. That's that's just, I know this movie. I know their M.O. Right, I, I would put money on it. So let's see. So we got... Uh, Let's see, Marsha's at school. She's got a, a best friend who is a lesbian who has a secret crush on her, and Marsha is too unaware to realize that her friend's a lesbian. That's one of the other things about this movie I remember. Yeah, and, that's a fun... I like that plot line, too. Yeah, that's, that's a fun really one. Fun. That's uh, Noreen, her best friend. And then yeah. uh, Marsha's going to meet her date for the upcoming dance, Doug Simpson, the big man on campus, which is a very, very famous Brady Bunch episode. That's literally what they call him in the episode, the big man on campus. And they, mm-hmm. they, they have fun with that in the movie. They keep repeating that phrase every time they talk about him. Yeah. Not enough people are referred to as that anymore. Yes. And now we get, I'm sure you all have something interesting to say about this one. We get to Jan going to visit the guidance counselor. Yeah. I'm actually not uh, in this world, uh, but many of my uh, close friends are big RuPaul's drag race fans. Mm-hmm. And uh, we get a very early, Film appearance from RuPaul Charles. Yes, absolutely. Yeah, RuPaul makes a cameo here as the uh, guidance counselor, and it's a very funny scene, and he's very good in it to the point that I, I actually didn't realize that was RuPaul in the movie when I first saw it until I saw the end credits. And to give people a little history, RuPaul had done a couple songs. He, did he have a TV show? I'm not sure if he did or not, but he was known enough that you would have known that was RuPaul if you had followed his career up to that point. Yeah, it was really early, though. Like, I think it was, uh, he kind of had, like, a cameo career a little bit, but looking at Wikipedia, there was only four film appearances before this, and they were all, one was Beavis and Butthead, so very small. I think it was a lot of, uh, in in the movie, he makes a line, like, you better work. I think that was what he was, like, the most known for at the time. Yeah, and that's a great scene right there. Although, first off, I have to say, what made them think RuPaul would be perfect for the guidance counselor? Where did that come from? I, I don't know. Uh, actually, I was looking at the wrong thing earlier. So, now RuPaul had been on a, in a lot of small things and was in that movie, Two Wong Fu, Thanks for Everything, which I think was a big one. Um, but I, I'm not sure why they thought uh, RuPaul would be a great guidance counselor, but he certainly was. I think it was basically like, let's put someone in here who – uh, giving advice it would, to children, like the most 90s person that you could, could get to give uh, advice to children. Yeah, and speaking of that, I always love the, the intro to this scene. This just so many little references and jokes and the way dialogue is written just warms my heart in this movie. But the one where, where uh, RuPaul welcomes Jan to her office, uh, the, the, the guidance counselor, and she says, oh, Jan, you're coming to see me. What's the matter? Teen pregnancy, bulimia, suicidal tendencies? And Jan says, no, it's my stupid glasses. Such a little 96s exactly. dichotomy there. Yep. Yeah, and like the guidance counselor's face falls. Oh, glasses. Well, here's my book. Read this. Here's my counseling. And she's like, uh, <laughs> by the way, come back when you're pregnant, Jan. <laughs> Which, having seen this movie, Jan will not end up pregnant. I think we can say that about her. Yeah, I think uh, she'll be okay for a while. Okay, so now we go to Greg walking around the hallways at school singing his song. Clowns never laughed before, and the girls are running away from him. They don't like this song. It's clear that he mm-hmm. sings it to people a lot, and they find it horrifying. And this is the reference that I have to say absolutely won me over to this movie. That I didn't know that was from a Brady Bunch episode. I knew most Brady Bunch episodes. I knew all the other songs. I knew most of the storylines. I'd never heard this Clowns Never Laugh before. I thought 
at the time that they made it up for the movie. I'm like, well, that's kind of an annoying song that Greg would write. And it wasn't until years later they were doing a Brady Bunch marathon on, on TBS or something, and I just happened to have it on. And it's the episode where Greg gets caught smoking. And there's a subplot in that movie, in that episode, where he's writing a song, and that's the exact song he's singing in that episode. Clowns never laughed before. But you mm -hmm. hear the whole extended mix of it in the episode. And I laughed yeah. so hard when I realized that was an actual reference to a movie, because that was one I guess I'd missed over the years, that episode. Yeah, I don't know why that was always burned in my brain. Um, I, I, like, I was very into the music of the Brady Bunch. I was a really cool <laughs> kid. Uh, so that one, uh, um, that was one that I like. It stuck with me. I think that the the lyrics are once you hear them, they're hard to forget. <laughs> yeah. yeah, it's. Yeah. I'll, I'll try to put it as the stinger at the end of the episode. I always put something. There. <laughs> I'll try to get the entire verse of the Greg song. Okay, so, so yeah, so we have Greg doing this, he's a stalker, and then uh, a storyline comes up that the Bradys owe these back taxes, apparently they owe $20,000 because their mail's been mixed up with the Dittmeyers, and they're about to lose their house if they can't raise some money, so, so they... That makes no sense, but <laughs> fine. <laughs> it's a yeah. 60s sitcom storyline. Okay. Yep. Yeah, you have one day, pay it, or you're gone. <laughs> no negotiation. Yep. So, so the kids gather together to figure out a plan to save the house and raise all this money, and there's a great line there where Jan's like, you know, if we if we move schools, if we lose the house, we have to change schools and we'll lose all our friends. And Marsha's like, but Jan, you don't have any friends. And the look that Jan shoots her right after she says that is one of my favorite looks in the movie. And it's something on repeat viewings people will have to catch for. Just look for the, the look that Jan shoots her right after that line. <laughs> okay, yeah, so they all come up with ideas. And uh, I'm trying to remember anything specific. Anything worth mentioning, any of these ideas? I, I want to get to later in the movie here. Well, I think uh, just Jan's like, we should enter the talent show, <laughs> and uh, everyone's like, all right. Yeah. Um, but uh, beyond that, I think, no, I don't remember anything like particularly interesting they come up with, except, uh, yeah, the parents walk in on them, and they decide to uh, have a potato sack race <laughs> instead. Okay, so yeah, you know, the one idea I just remembered is that Jan and Marsha are going to become models, teen models. Yeah, yep. And they go and... <laughs> And, of course, it only works out for Marsha, and Jan is quickly escorted out. And there's a great scene where where they're all trying to make raise money. Uh, Marsha is told she has to get a boob job and lose some weight. <laughs> and then Greg is trying to get some money at a music producer studio. And, and there's a cameo there by Barry Williams as the music producer tells him no, that his music's stupid. And there's just a little exchange, just a little exchange that has nothing to do with any Brady mythology where – after Greg gets rejected at the music producers, he tries to hit on the receptionist because that's what he does. He's like a shark. He's mm -hmm. incapable of not stopping hitting on people. And he's like, hey there, groovy chick. And she just kind of looks away from him and is like, uh-uh. Ah, <laughs> it's just yeah. a wonderful reaction. Okay, so here we go. So uh, all the kids are trying to find ideas to uh, raise the money. And we have a scene here where Marsha and her lesbian friend Noreen have a sleepover. And Noreen's, like, feeling her up under the covers, and Marsha doesn't realize what's going on because she's too self-absorbed. Yeah, it's, it's both self-absorption self and then probably just not being tapped into the uh, uh, the gay zeitgeist of the 90s. Uh, but Noreen is, like, a perfect lesbian best friend character. She is, like, oh, she's, she's like a Janine Garofalo type, and, like, it's so good. Um but yeah, I think that's such a like fun little uh, thing they put in the movie. Okay, now we get the famous scene with Marsha getting hit in the nose with a football, which is yeah, uh, probably the most famous Brady Bunch storyline across the board. Yeah, there's that 
Yes, again, like she's like you said, it's the maybe the most famous Brady Bunch moment. Marsha gets hit in the face with a football. The football comes off. The, her nose is smashed. She's not going to be able to go to the school dance. She's horrified. And, and there's another great scene. Again, I just always mention on rewatches. Watch the scene when they're pulling the uh, the football off Marsha's nose, and you see how ugly she is now. And look at the smirk, the shit-eating grin behind her on Jan's face. <laughs> she is so excited that Marsha has a busted nose. Yeah. And I think they do a great job, too, of, like, she still looks pretty good, <laughs> even though right, her nose is flat. Okay. And let's see. So, yeah, there's the dance, and Marsha has to choose between two boys and Doug Simpson and Charlie Anderson, which, again, a very iconic Brady Bunch episode. And and the way they handle it in this movie is another moment. I just have so many things little in my notes here circled that I just wanted to comment on. That mm-hmm. Another joke that I cannot believe Sherwood Schwartz left in the episode or let them put in the movie here is that, uh, you know, uh, Doug Simpson comes to pick up uh, Marsha for the prom, and uh, he sees her nose. He's like, oh, my God. And she's like, I guess you don't want to go to the dance with me now. And he says, oh, no, it's not your nose I'm after. Yeah, <laughs> like, it's good. And Mr. Brady's like, he's a fine boy, not realizing <laughs> the subtext there for people who miss it is that Doug is going to go bang Marsha five degrees of sideways in the car. I would, yeah, Doug, though, Doug does a great job here of uh, he may, he, uh Talks on both sides of his mouth, and I, I would say uh, good on Doug in that moment. <laughs> yes. He's a fine boy. Yeah, he is a fine boy. And he puts her hand, his hand on her shoulder, and she's like, Doug, that's third base. I don't go that far. <laughs> okay, so we're up to the dance. There's a big prom, and, you know, things still aren't resolved. There's still all this, uh, all these, up, these loose ends that they haven't tied up yet, but we have a very famous prom scene in this movie, and this, I would say, is my single favorite scene in this movie. I'm curious what you thought about this one. You, how much a person enjoys this scene would kind of be dependent, I think, on how much they'd like and know about Davy Jones. Right, and because I was a kid that watched a lot of Nick at Night, and I had seen the Brady Bunch, and there is an episode where Marshall loves Davy Jones. Uh, to me, this spoke to me <laughs> as a as a young person as well. Yeah. Okay, and here's here's the presumption of this joke. This is why I think this is so genius, and I'm hoping I can get this through to people because I've I, we have a lot of listeners who have told me, oh. I, I, you know, I, I've seen the Brady Bunch movie and it's weird and it's funny, but I don't really get why people say it's so genius. But the, the Davy Jones scene is the one that really does it for me because there's a very famous episode in Brady Bunch TV lore where Marsha's trying to get her crush or the boy she has a crush on, Davy Jones, the most famous pop singer in the world, maybe at the time she wants him to get him invited to her prom, sing at her prom. And again, this is in 1969 when Davy's, Davy's what, about 25 years old, 26 years old? Definitely. This was like the monkeys were supposed to be like a a Beatles ripoff kind of. Right. So, yeah, it's got to be around that. Yeah. So that storyline makes a lot of sense in 1969 that a girl Mm -hmm. in high school would want Davy Jones to sing at her prom. Now we've just transported this exact same storyline to 1994 and it makes a lot (laughs) less sense. The most popular girl in school would want Davy Jones to come sing at her prom because Davy's like mm-hmm. almost in his sixties now. Clearly not the demographic, and it's just <laughs> I just love the thought process behind this joke that they keep it in the movie. And then at the prom, Davy Jones just shows up, just like in the TV show, he shows up and he sings for her. And then in this one, he shows up. But now 
there's the joke that he's like 60 and nobody at school knows who the hell this guy is. He's just some old guy walking out on stage. Right. I like Mar- Marsha being like, I, I I didn't tell anyone about this in case he didn't respond to my letters. <laughs> I was like, I really liked that. I was like, because they didn't, there was no explanation. There was no reason. She just wrote them a letter and hoped he would come up. And he did. Yeah. And, and you have to think like what a good sport Davy Jones was to do this role. Because the, oh, yeah. the whole premise of this joke is that Davy Jones is old and nobody cares about him anymore. <laughs> and he agrees <laughs> to do it. He probably knows that. I know. Yeah, that there literally was no demand for the monkeys in the mid-90s. <laughs> nobody cared. So Davy yeah. Jones comes. And all the, all the monkeys do get to show up here, so, or a bunch of yeah, everybody them. Everybody but Mike. We'll get to that in a second. Yeah. But yeah, it's a, uh, and just the little details in the scene where Davy Jones comes out and it's like dead silence. Crickets, there's no applause. Nobody knows who he is. Except in the back of the room, you hear all the chaperones, all the teachers going, oh, it's Davy Jones. <laughs> of course, they know who he is because they're all 50. That's mm-hmm. <laughs> perfect. Just a wonderful scene. And so Davy goes to sing at the prom, and he starts launching into his song, Girl, Look What You've Done to Me, which is the actual song he sang in the Brady Bunch yep. TV episode. And and nobody has any clue what the song is. So the, the only person that's dancing is Marsha. She's dancing with Charlie Anderson, and then if you watch closely, there's a guy behind her who's, like, grinding on Marsha. That's the reason he's dancing, because he's kind of grinding <laughs> on Marsha from behind. I missed that. Yeah. And then and then the, the rock band from the prom starts playing along with Davey, and they kind of turn it into a mishmash of 60s and 90s music together. And it's, it, it was cool. It's a catchy song, and it's hilarious, because at one point, like, everyone starts singing to this mishmash, and Davey Jones is doing his best to kind of play along. And at one point, he gets a look in his eyes like, I have no idea what's going on here. Yeah, it's so so fantastic. If it was just if that had been the only scene in the movie, I still would have done a staff picks episode on this movie. That Davy <laughs> Jones, it's, I have so much joy when I watch that scene. Just thinking I, that that's such a good scene. I love their dance moves too. They do this thing with like they have their thumbs in the air and just swaying, and I'm like, it's perfect. It's exactly what it should be. Yeah. Okay, so after that, we have the scene where you know, or it's during the dance where Marsha turns on Doug Simpson and goes with Charlie Anderson instead. And it's been Charlie ends up, uh, or no, Noreen, Noreen ends up punching out <laughs> Doug Simpson and, and Marsha gives all the credit to Charlie. So Noreen forever unfulfilled, no, never able to hook up with Marsha, even though she's the one saving her life. It's just a nice little moment there. Yeah. bummer. Yeah. Let's get to the end here. Cause I, we, I want to get to our, our talking points here. Let's get to the end here. Cool. So, so uh, let's see. Uh, blah, blah, blah. We have, uh, Marsha's nose comes back after that and everything's good again. And then, uh, there's a scene where Mr. Brady finally sells a, uh, a, a design at his architecture firm and they get all the back taxes. So everything's going to be good and happy. And then Mr. Dittmeyer undercuts him and says, Brady's an alcoholic. And this is where we get the last scene where it looks like the Brady's are going to lose their house. They need to raise the $20,000 overnight and they get the idea. Well, you know what? We could, we could do this fresh young musical act that Jan suggested earlier in the movie. <laughs> so so it turns out Jan's idea was right all along. They just had to torture her for a while and make her think that she was an idiot. And then eventually they go for her idea. And then they come and they do their dance and they save the day. And voila, the, everything is restored and the Bradys live happily ever after. Yep, and that, uh, their song and dance is, uh, it's either pulled from an episode or it's pulled from one of the movies. Um, but uh, those outfits, I believe... <laughs> are like exact replicas of outfits they wore on the show. Yeah, the song they sing is Keep On Moving. The, the outfits they wear in the movie are not the same ones on the TV show. The TV show, were white. Uh, they were white and blue. But yeah, the ones they did in the movie were from the Brady reunion shows later. 
Yeah, the, 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 what, the, the, okay. yeah they, were, okay. they were very accurate, just not for that specific scene. Got it. Oh, okay. Because I was like, they, uh, I love those uh, colorful outfits that they have. Okay, so the Brady kids win the contest, or the win the singing contest, and the only reason why is because inexplicably the monkeys have been chosen to be the judges. So the monkeys <laughs> love their little retro act, and they win, and the Bradys get to go home, and they get they save the house. Dittmeyer goes off in shame, and then uh, at the end of the movie, Grandma comes, who is uh, Florence Henderson, the Carol Brady herself, making a cameo, and uh, she uh, she sees Jan Janning out, Jan doing her multiple voices crap, and and, and uh, Grandma's like, Jan, cut the crap, and that's the end of Jan. And then Cindy starts saying, Well, why does Jan all get the uh, get all the attention? It's always Jan, 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 and that's how it kind of ends on a cliffhanger. And again, that is the story of the Brady Bunch movie, and uh, that is a very cursory look at it. Now we're going to get into the fun stuff. Cool. All right, so I've asked Taylor to come up with five to ten things, just little details, jokes, references, anything she thought was especially noteworthy to point out on a podcast to get people to appreciate the Brady Bunch movie. Yes, uh, so we already touched on quite a few of them. Uh, I would say I want to talk about uh, Andy Davis comes in as a cameo mm -hmm. as a truck driver when Jan runs away. And also uh, the Jan wig is real from a real episode, which I loved. Mm -hmm. uh, she wears this big black Afro wig that uh, when she runs away, which is so good. Um, but I think Andy Davis, like in her cameo is so excellent. She's like at ease. She's so cool. And you're just like, Oh yeah, like Alice was awesome, <laughs> and I think that uh, that all the cameos are pretty good. Um, but I I think uh, I have a real nostalgia for Anne B. Davis. Yeah, she was a great actress. She's very natural, very funny, and it's hilarious that I don't know if people know this, but apparently in real life Anne B. Davis was not good around kids. She didn't like kids, <laughs> which is wow. hilarious to realize that she was the the maid of the the Brady's. But yeah, she her cameo is absolutely one of the best scenes in the movie. And she's the truck driver. She gets to drive with uh, Jan. And I, I feel kind of bad for the other actors because nobody else got to act with Ann B. Davis. Only Jan did. But, yeah, that's yeah. one of the better scenes in the movie. And it's very heartwarming even now. I mean, Ann B. Davis ended up dying a couple years ago. But it's it's very heartwarming yeah. to see kind of her last hurrah on screen here. Yeah, that's awesome. She's just a big fan. I think she's, like, such a cool lady. So I'm glad uh, she got in there. It's, I think, her last film role. Okay, so the first thing I wanted to point out that I love about this movie is Mike Brady's lectures. And again, we talked mm -hmm. about it earlier where he just is <laughs> they're very circular lectures. Wherever you go, there you are, like, which mm -hmm. I think is actually a reference to a movie called Buckaroo Banzai, if I recall somewhere. That's a direct quote from that movie. But mm -hmm. yeah, Mike Brady's lectures get more and more smug and repetitive until the end. There's <laughs> my favorite Mike Brady line in the movie is where uh, Jan gives a good speech about how they should all stick together. They're all family. And, and Mike's like. That was very well put, Jan. I couldn't have put it any better. But I'll try anyway. And he yeah. just repeats her lesson in his own little Mike Brady way. And it's just a, <laughs> a, a smug little Mike Brady moment that always makes me happy. That's good. Um, something I like that is just trivia. Um, so the girl who plays um, originally Dittmeyer's girlfriend who falls for Peter, mm -hmm. Who um, I was like, this girl, like she looks familiar, and I went and did a little research on her, and she's been in other movies. But I thought this is just a little trivia. She's married to Beck, uh, which I thought was wild, and then uh, she's a Rubisi. Like her brother is Giovanni Rubisi. 
So that's not really anything about the movie, but it's something I learned in the past week. Wow, I didn't know that. That's cool. Yeah. All right, so we got a Rabisi in the movie. Let's see. Next on my list here, um, there's <laughs> just, again, the subplot of the kids always gaslighting Jan and just <laughs> abusing her and then denying it. There's a scene towards the end of the movie where Jan runs away and the mom is like, what happened? Why did Jan run away? Did you guys say anything to her? And Marsha's like, not more than what we usually say to her. <laughs> <laughs> Such a great line. Again, just the, the Jan Marsha never ending rivalry always makes me laugh. That's really good. Uh I bet this is on your list, but uh they all uh for a treat they all get to go to Sears. So uh, I, that's such a uh, like that's something like my mom would tell us like growing up in the fifties like that to go to get you get dressed up and you go shopping at a department store like that was a very big deal so I love that that is uh in the nineties still uh still a fun thing to do for them oh yeah and again that's one of the signature scenes of the movie where the Brady's all get dressed up they're done potato sack racing for the day they're gonna go to Sears to celebrate and yeah they. They're all singing on the escalator, doing their, I think I'll go for a walk. And it's, again, that's a very iconic Brady song. Mm -hmm. That's probably the one I'm going to start this episode with, just because that's the one everyone will remember. But yeah, they're all doing their little dance on the escalator. And then it's great because the camera lingers on the people behind them in the escalator saying, what the hell are those people doing? (laughs) And then we go up into the electronics department and you get the, 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 uh, the overhead of the big shot of all nine of them on TV screens, which is just a dead ringer right out of the opening credits of the Brady Bunch. And then, again, just a very happy, iconic scene based on the movie. And there's a joke in this scene. This is going to lead into my third thing is that I'm, I love all the background jokes, all the sex jokes in the Brady Bunch movie. There's so many little things going on where, again, the, the parents are always trying to have sex and they can't do it. And mm-hmm. you'll catch on. But there's a scene right here in the electronics department in Sears where, if you look, it's where Alice is on the massaging chair and all the kids are around her and you look behind Alice and I swear to God, Mrs. Brady is holding a sex toy and she's showing it to Mike. <laughs> like, let's take this home and use this on me. Like she, it's. I bet that got by the censors because I don't think they could have done that in a PG-13 movie. <laughs> holding up a freaking dildo in the Brady Bunch movie. So if people just want to look for that scene, it's a little background joke and it ties into... Mike and Carol kind of have a whole separate storyline from the kids where they're just trying to hook up the whole movie and the kids yeah. don't let them. <laughs> All right. So that's my third one is the, the sex toy. <laughs> See? Uh, love it. Um, I'll go with, um, I like, uh, very, this is quick too. This is just a visual, but, uh, when they are about to go into the, uh, talent show, the Partridge family bus drives by. Yes. Uh, so that's a fun, just like quick visual gag. And it's fun to think that maybe all of these uh, families still exist in the same universe to some extent. <laughs> so the Partridge family must have finished second in the talent show. They could not do yeah, the Brady's. Yeah, of course. I know. I wish we had seen at least a glimpse. <laughs> okay, for my fourth one, I'm going to go for something here. It's a uh, common catchphrase in the Brady universe. Something suddenly came up. Yep, it's Greg's catchphrase. Yeah, and they use it over and over in the movie. And I'm like, I remember sitting there through the movie saying, thinking, that sounds like an erection joke. I bet they're going to mm-hmm. go for an erection joke. And sure enough, right towards the end of the movie where Marsha kisses Charlie Anderson goodnight at the front door, he looks down and says, oh, I got to go. Something suddenly came up, which is they finally went for it. They finally 
turn that into an erection joke. So I appreciated that they took the writers had the uh, discipline to wait the entire movie before going that direction. Yep, they uh, they got there. It's one of those things like just trust it'll happen. Um, I liked uh, in uh, there were a couple other little references. Um, one I'll go with is uh, Mrs. Brady. Just uh, at some point she says to Mike, like, "Go get him, Tiger," and she's like, "Tiger, what happened to that dog?" Which it's like I they could have done more with it, but I'm glad they kind of did less because what is there to mind? But it's like. Very famously, the Brady Bunch dog disappears, and uh, they just kind of sneak a couple things in there that it's like, if you know it, you catch it, and if you don't care about it, it'll bypass you, and that was a cute one, I thought. Yeah, I heard some trivia about that, actually. I'm not sure if you know the dark history of Tiger, that apparently he was killed by a car on the set, like, midway through the first season or something, and they just never mentioned him again. They just quietly wrote him out of the show, so there's a dark back history to Tiger no longer being part of the Brady's. Bad. You would think they could have just gotten another dog. But. <laughs> All right. Another little moment that I like. This is where uh, Greg is at the dance and, you know, they're at the prom and they're all they're all watching the hard rock band perform. And then Greg walks out on stage with his derpy little his amp and his guitar. <laughs> and he's like, mm-hmm. I'm I'm now a rock star. I'm Johnny Bravo. And he does a little drum guitar strum. And he's like, and I wrote a song for a special girl, the most special girl at Westdale High. And you cut to the audience and it's like 15 different girls screaming and running for the exit because they all think <laughs> he's talking about them. The implication being that Greg is not an exact shooter of a target. He's aiming for pretty much any girl who will respond to him. That he's clearly harassed many girls at the school before. <laughs> yeah, that uh, the rewriting of Greg Brady to be kind of a predator is uh, a fun choice. Uh, all right, I think I might be out oh it's kind of fun uh there's a the dad from fresh prince is one of the neighbors i don't i think he was just acting that wasn't a cameo or anything but uh he was kind of the main neighbor that gets everyone on board with the brady's yeah he actually has a good line in there where that's one of the uh that's one of the recurring uh tropes about the Brady Bunch one of the criticisms over the years is that it was filmed in an era when you weren't allowed to show toilets on tv so that's always mm-hmm. one of the jokes about the Brady Bunch, that there's nine people in the house and there's no toilet. So what the mm-hmm. hell is going on in there? And so he actually, that's uh, Uncle Phil there, actually mentions it in the in the movie. He's like, what the hell's going on over there? One bathroom for nine people? And I never did see a toilet. And that's that's <laughs> literally a criticism of the Brady's because they couldn't show a, a toilet in their house back in the 60s. So that is something that's widely criticized about the show. Yeah, it's, I'm glad they brought up. And yeah, just those little secret things. It's like, they probably didn't know they were getting a sequel, so they snuck in as many jokes as they could. Okay, here, I have a couple more here I want to throw them out there just because there's so much good stuff in this movie, I want to make sure people are into it. But uh, yeah, little details, like the way Jan walks, or the way she swings her hair, the Jan walk, the way Marsha walks. Marsha has a walk, Greg has a walk. They all have a very distinct walk. Yeah. And then Marsha does this thing, where she mispronounces certain words. Actually, Jan does it too. They both both actresses kind of do this. Where, wherever so often, uh, uh, Jan will kind of go into this. My glasses will make me look positively goofy. Like she does this weird little mm-hmm. inflection. But Marsha is my favorite because at one point she says, "Oh, I'll never be able to show my face in school." And it's <laughs> one of those things because Maureen McCormick on the TV show used to do that. She had weird inflections of words. And I, I, I've never specifically picked out her saying skewel, but I 100% know that has to be from a real episode. There's no way skewel would just be an accident. I know that's a reference to a TV episode. I 
would love to meet the person who they got that was just such an expert on this show that they were able to direct every sort of little thing like that. It was like, I, the things that uh, I know a lot about, and I don't know if I could get that detailed. So uh, it's awesome. I would love to hear more about how they were able to get to that level of detail. Yeah, and it's amazing because we're pointing out all these things about the Brady Bunch movie that make it special and unique. And I know we there's a stuff there's stuff we've missed and we haven't even mentioned. And I, I oh yeah, I feel like we might not be even be doing justice. And it's one of those movies that you just you have to kind of know the Brady Bunch and then you will really get the genius of this movie. It's so intricate and so well researched. And it just, again, I watch Brady Bunch movie episodes now and I catch stuff. Oh, that's in the movie. Oh, that's in the movie. And I didn't mm-hmm. even notice it at the time. It's amazing. It's awesome. I definitely uh, could use a full Brady Bunch rewatch. <laughs> all right. Let's see. I think we've gone pretty much through all our notes here. Is there anything else obvious we're missing? We went through Davy Jones. We went through the monkeys, uh, the Partridge family, uh, Mike and Carol forever trying to do it. Uh, Shelly no. Long, Long acting with her eyes. That's another thing. She'd watch yeah. her act with her eyes. It's very funny. Yeah, she's a great reactor. Uh, Bobby and Cindy and Peter, to some extent, are glossed over, uh, but they they come into their own more in the sequel, especially Cindy. Yeah, and since you said the S word, that is one of the things on staff picks. I don't necessarily, in general, do sequels. I don't I don't like the idea of sequels, but I will probably make an exception for the Brady Bunch movie because I. I don't think it's as good as the sequel or as the original, but nothing could have been as good as the original. The sequel is fantastic in its own right, I think. Yeah, I, it's definitely darker, which is why I might like it better. Um, but it's great. And it's almost, it's hardly a sequel as much as it's just a second Brady Bunch movie. It's like another episode if these movies were a TV show. Yeah. And just to whet people's appetite for it, I, I'm sure I'll be doing a very Brady sequel at some point, but... I love all the musical numbers in this one. My favorite being Davy Jones singing Girl. But if you mm-hmm. were to pick my favorite Brady Bunch singing moment in any of in this or the sequel, I would have to pick the one in the sequel where they sing good time music on the plane. <laughs> <laughs> that is such a fantastic scene. And I don't want to I don't want to get into it. We'll save that for the sequel. But yeah, with people singing, please sit down and shut up. <laughs> <laughs> yes. All right, let's see. Uh, anything else you would like to add about the Brady Bunch movie, about its legacy, about its history, um, anything that I'm forgetting here? Um, I, I it's, wor- it's worth it. <laughs> <laughs> that, I guess that's enough for me. I don't need to explain that more, but uh, it's a forgotten film. It's a Brady Bunch in general is kind of, I think might have a forgotten legacy, and uh, I think that it's totally worth it the watch and it's worth educating yourself on the Brady Bunch and then watching or rewatching this movie. Now, do you think people would really appreciate this movie if they didn't know the TV show? I'm just curious. Um, so yeah, I watched with uh, my fiance Luke and he had not, he wasn't super familiar with the TV show and he still liked it and thought it was funny. It was definitely not what he expected. So even if you're not a big Brady Bunch person, but you, I guess, like, having some idea of the show is probably useful, but you definitely don't need to know every detail. Yeah, I would agree with that. It's I think it stands on its own, and the only thing is that if you know the TV show down to the every last detail, which a lot of people will not admit they do, but they just know that, it will mm-hmm. enrich the viewing so much more if you know every little detail that they're doing in the background and stuff like that. It's just, it's just fantastic. I can't say enough about how well-researched and written this movie is, and it, it's funny... 
I had said, I posted on Facebook, I was talking about this movie next, and I had a lot of people lining up saying, I love that movie. Oh, that's the greatest movie. And I was surprised that so many people really like it because you don't hear about it that very much. And so it's one of no. those things I've kind of kind of uh, figured out that people who like it really like it. Yeah, that it's I I've heard that too. And it's I think it's like I said at the beginning, like it's because it's something that maybe you watched on TV when you were a kid or you rented and it's uh but it doesn't have it was way before any sort of like community would form and like uh there were before a uh, social media appreciation of sort of this ironic comedy mm-hmm. and uh it's it's way before it's funny because it's about a, movie, a show that came out 30 years before the movie, but the movie is before its time too. Yeah, absolutely. It's kind of meta in a way, maybe not specific the way that a show like Community would be, but it's like we're headed mm-hmm. in that direction in an era when most humor wasn't that way yet. Right. All right, excellent. So uh, I want to thank you for stopping by and uh, sharing your uh, guilty knowledge of all things Brady with me. It's been. <laughs> It's been an honor and a pleasure. And again, we finally get to talk. Taylor and I have known each other for 10 years over social media, and this is the first time we've ever spoken. Right. So this was this was fun. Yeah, I'm excited. I'm happy to finally connected and finally done a podcast together. All right. And I may be summoning you again when we get to the very Brady sequel, although I have like people lining up telling me, I have to talk about that one. That one's mine. So it's like there may be some fierce competition because, again, these people that love these types of movies really love them. Yeah, if there's someone who wants to, who thinks they love it and know more than me, then take them because a lot of my comments will probably be similar <laughs> but, to what I'm saying now because I still love Jan, I still love RuPaul, uh, so, uh, but make sure it's someone who really knows their stuff. All right, as always, I want to uh, thank Taylor for stopping by, and I want to thank everybody who uh, has joined me here on Staff Picks. Again, we're only four episodes in, and I'm trying to crank them out as fast as I can because people seem to like these shows. And uh, again, if you'd like to reach me, you can email me at staffpickspodcast at gmail.com. You can reach me on Twitter at Mario J. Lanza. I have a patron page, patron.com slash Mario Lanza. And uh, as always, I'm just going to keep bringing up movies that I don't think have enough love in the world and find somebody who loves them to talk about them. So until next time, I believe our next movie will be the underappreciated Tom Hanks movie Bachelor Party. That will be a fun one. That is a Tom Hanks in an era that you might not remember him, but that'll be a fun one. Yeah, Tom Hanks. That that A lot of people don't remember how funny Tom Hanks was when he was a comedy guy. Yeah, now he's all the circle. Exactly. Before he became yeah. America's dad, he was the guy in a movie <laughs> where donkeys were getting high and dying in the middle of sex acts. So we're going to have a fun time with Bachelor Party. That's one that Tom may not be fond of these days, but It's on his resume, and it makes me laugh. So, again, until next time, thank you for joining us, and I'll talk to you later. Goodbye. Clowns never laughed before, and beanstalks never grew. Ponies never ran before, till I met you. Surf never broke before, an artist never drew. Snow never fell before, till I met you. My dream came true, my dream came true. The world spins, my life begins, cause I met you. Phones never rang before. 
wise men never knew. No one ever loved before till I met you.